Hello, creepers. Welcome to another episode of History Creeps. Ah, that's right. Be scared. Be afraid. Look to the skies. I'm one of your hosts. I am Johnny Townsend. With me is my friends Carter Johnson and who's this other guy? I'm trying to think of his name. Oh, yeah. It's Christopher Chavez. Yeah, see? That was nice. I like the way you did that, Johnny. You introduced us like we were uh, in space camp, you know? Max yep. and Jinx are friends. <laughs> they are friends. Mac and Meat was a great film. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, man. A side note, Mac and Me. Uh, was, I had that on bootleg. Is one of the movies that they cover on the newest episodes of, of um, Mystery Science Theater. Well, you know oh, what, Johnny? Nice. You're going to be happy because it's getting a Blu-ray re-release. I will be happy about that. It's getting it's the... like a nice retouch and like they're going to have a bunch of special features and stuff on it. It's were... the greatest McDonald's commercial ever. I was going to say, were you that big a fan of this movie? Because for me, it just felt like the the generic version of E.T. See, well, I here's... think we all have movies like that, right? Yeah, like yeah. mine is Explorers. Yeah. You know, Johnny's is obviously Mac and Me. Chris, what would you say yours is, E.T.? Wait, what was your Explorers for? What do you mean? What was that? Like, like what you're saying, like, we all have movies that, uh, you know, we you might say a title and, and Johnny might be like, oh, that's that wasn't a great movie. But to you, it's like, no, no, no. This is a piece of my childhood. Oh, I don't you know. Like know. everybody has a movie like that. Like for some people, it's something generic like the Goonies. Well, see, I, know, obviously that's that's one of future. mine. That's one of mine as well. I mean, like, I don't know. I feel like all the ones that were actually formative for me are those iconic ones. I don't think that there's any. I mean, aside from like. Uh, I think I brought it up before the burbs. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's a little off the, there's some the people who path. see that yeah. and they're just like, yeah, it's an okay movie. And I'm like, what the fuck are you watching? That's an amazing movie. <laughs> I don't understand why that's not like in the, the library of Congress. Are you kidding? Well, me? then I, I told you about this too, Chris, you need to go get the new Blu-ray release. It's got an alternate cut of the movie on there with a different ending. Really? I, 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 yeah. got to, I got to defend myself. The reason that I love Mac and me <laughs> is because it came out at the perfect time when I was a young kid, first really getting into the whole alien stuff. And learning how exactly. to whistle. Yeah. So it came out at the perfect time. Uh, I'd already seen E.T. and loved E.T., obviously. It's a great movie. Nobody's going to say it's not good. Right. Uh, but uh, Mac and me was like looking back at it now. I'm like, man, yeah, this isn't good, but I still love it. <laughs> and it's the same thing. There was this other movie called, I think it was called Spaced Invaders. I don't know oh, if you guys remember this. Oh, that's invaders, right. Man, that I remember awesome, that one. Dude. Yeah, were these four aliens? I think it's four. Crash. Yeah. Five. Five. Okay, they crash on this in a small town. Yep. Yep. And when one of them, uh, uh, and they all have like distinct personalities and stuff, but I freaking love that movie too. Oh, you gotta it's love amazing. the one that's like Jack Nicholson. I yes. Love that guy. He's the one that, like stays in the ship the yeah. whole time. That guy's hilarious, man. And has the jacket. Yeah. That I guy's know, amazing. right? I love. And incidentally, Spaced Invaders is one of the first movies starring my crush from my teenage years, Ariana Richards, who plays Lex in Jurassic Park. And there you go. Yep. <laughs> Boom Shagalaga. See, Jurassic Park's things. another one I loved, but I, I, know I think things. it was universally loved. Were you it guys is. were you guys fans of Flight of the Navigator? Oh yeah. Remember that one? That was a yes, good one. That's another one. Yeah. Explorers, Flight of the Navigator. Uh, I wasn't big into Mac and Me, but it wasn't one of those ones where I was like, oh, I just I hate this movie. This I feel movie like sucks. The, if it's on, I'll watch it. The but. whistling alien is just what threw me off. Like he just kept whistling and I was just like, 
was that? I love that that throws you off, but not the weird, strange way that they walk. Right? (laughs) Well, combine it, dude. Put them together, and it's just it's it's every little kid's nightmare. That this there's nothing about that movie. Monsters. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah. Heck yeah, dude. Monster Squad. And the Wizard. The Wizard is a great one, oh, too. The Wizard. That's like not even like a fantasy, you know, horror movie. It's just like a straight Nintendo commercial, but it's awesome. Yeah. It's it, again, it's one of like it's what you said. It's one of those movies that are almost like a building block of your childhood, but are not widely accepted as being such great movies. Yeah. 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 Definitely. That's like that's I mean, literally Mac and me is nothing but a giant commercial for different things. <laughs> but when I was a kid, I didn't I didn't catch like that didn't like I didn't get that. I thought it was just a fun movie about an alien. Right. But when I went back and watched it when I was an adult, I was like, yeah, there's like this is a Coke slash McDonald's commercial the whole dang time. <laughs> and just for selling. our listeners, anybody that hasn't seen Mac and me, it's a very early Paul Rudd movie. Oh, that's yes. right. That's right. Paul Rudd's in it. I forgot about that. Yeah, it's like it's like when you go watch Weird Science and you're like, holy crap, that's Iron Man. Yep. Man. We're, uh, we are old. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, though, that we're talking about movies about outer space and aliens, because basically this entire episode has got that theme, including our current creeps. Did you guys oh, see? Oh, yeah. Did you guys Great see segue. this? You like that? Uh, I've been practicing all day. <laughs> uh, did you guys see this? I, I saw on the headline and this came across headlines today. So I don't know if this was any earlier uh, posted any earlier, but the headline was that there could be more out there. Another mysterious burst of fast radio waves is detected in outer space. Uh, this is from KTLA.com uh, channel five out in whatever this is. I don't know. Where's KTLA guys? Where do you, where's your guess? KTLA is out of. It's got to be LA. New Mexico. Los Angeles. Carter wins it. Dang uh, it. <laughs> Yay. Far outside our Milky Way galaxy, something is causing repeating short bursts of radio waves to be released into space. Scientists have recorded the second repeating fast radio burst to be discovered, according to a study published Wednesday in the Journal of Nature. The finding was also presented at the 233rd meeting of American Astronomical Society in Seattle. I wonder what that first meeting was like, as opposed to the 233rd meeting. Uh, <laughs> these radio bursts are only a millisecond long radio flashes, and such rapid bursts themselves aren't rare in space. But this is only the second one that has been found to repeat. The mystery about why these bursts happen and where they come from uh, continues, which always spurs believers to think that the advanced extraterrestrial civilizations are creating them. So apparently there was one that was de- this, they called it FRB twelve eleven o two. It was discovered in uh, two thousand fifteen by Arecibo Radio Telescope, and it was revealed in two thousand eighteen that the bursts release an enormous amount of energy. Apparently, the same thing now has been recorded, and now they're saying that this isn't the first one. I guess apparently uh, what they're saying in this in this thing is that they have these micro these telescopes now and these the that can collect the information that. They're 100% confident that there's all kinds of repetitive radio bursts coming from space that could be, you know, uh, a way of so- of something out there trying to communicate with us because, you know, it's the exact same type of information, I guess, coming over. So uh, yeah. thoughts on this, guys. What are your thoughts when you see stuff like this hitting headlines in 2019? It's, ex- it's exciting, right? I would say yeah, so. I, I think it's very yeah. exciting. It really reminds me of the wow signal there yes. happened years ago. Yes, uh, but they tried to explain that one away. But now we're getting these things that are just happening constantly. You know, it's just a uh, this is exciting. I agree. 
I, I think we talked about it before on previous episodes that it almost feels like we're just kind of being conditioned uh, to the inevitable so that we're able to accept when we do look outside and see giant ships in this, uh, you know, aircraft in the sky. Yeah, it'll just be like Tuesday. <laughs> right. It'd be no big deal. Be like, yeah, we've seen that before. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> So, yeah, it's uh, very so, yeah. fascinating, I think. Current yeah, creep that's very lit- intriguing. literally was can't went to press today. Uh, so that's how current that one is. It just actually happened today. It does not get any more current than that. No, sir. True. As so, of this recording. Keep your eyes peeled. Keep your ears open. Who knows, man? The next time we do a current creeps, it might be that we're saying that contact was made, right? That's right. That's right. And then uh, J. Allen Hynek can be the father of all this. There you go. Who's and that And that's guy? our segue into our topic. <laughs> Which is... J. Allen Hynek. Uh, before we get into the life and the life of this man, who I find personally very, very fascinating, I wanted to, uh, of course, the reason that I thought of this, I mean, he was, he was already on my short list to want to cover for this show, and I have actual notes. I went back to actual handwritten notes like old days of history creeps. Uh, <laughs> Project Blue Book, the show, came out, started uh, either last night or the night before on History Channel. We had talked about this coming out because I think we'd we'd yep. all seen this trailer and talked about how we wanted to see it. So I haven't seen it yet, but you both have seen the first episode already, right? Right. Yes. Correct. All right. Try not to get too spoilery for any listeners that haven't. But what are you guys' thoughts on it so far? So that I'm glad you asked. So here's the thing: it's loosely, and I'm using that term. It's loosely. This is just based on the first episode. It's the only one that's out now, uh, but it's loosely based on uh, Heineck. Like it follows him, he's the main character. Uh, this, but this is very much a production. Like it, they, I thought this oh, thing. Oh yeah, looked, this thing looked amazing though. Like they really, this thing has a great look to it, a great feel. The show does, uh, but they definitely took some liberties for sure. Oh yeah, but the, um, they really changed some things to make the story more of a story. I guess you're saying history, yep. the History Channel's production, like it looks good. It looks like uh, yes. above level History Channel type stuff. Yes, oh, I definitely. think so. Definitely. I think it's high budget. They used they they had some money behind this. They yes. told they told Netflix 100%. bring bring your Bird Box. We got this. <laughs> yes, Bird Box versus Blue Book. What's up? Yes. Uh, so uh, Chris if you created if... another freaking Bird Box <laughs> meme, <laughs> there's not enough the of them. Bird right? Box memes. Hey, she looks like a Ninja Turtle. Ha ha ha! That was the best one. Uh, but yeah, so um. I thought the production was top notch. I actually really liked this episode, but I had to separate in my own mind the stuff that I kind of knew from what they were doing because they really even they're they're doing this way more for entertainment than anything else. Okay. At the end of it, oh, I'm sorry, Carter. No, no you go I was, ahead. I'm, I interrupted you. You go ahead. And then at the end of it, they do kind of go back and tell you some of the stuff that they based it on, which is really cool because that's when they kind of get into the real history of it. Oh, nice. Uh, but yeah, I I mean I thought all the acting was really good. It, if you like X Files at all, and you really especially love the alien stuff on it, I think you'll really like this. Ooh, I mean, obviously X Files was kind of loosely based on Project Blue Book and such, uh, but yeah, this is—I uh, thought it was very, very good. I'm very curious about what Carter thinks of it, though. Um, I really liked it. Uh, it's a lot of really fantastic actors too. If you watch a lot of television, watch a lot of movies, you recognize a lot of faces uh, on that show. I don't know if you guys saw uh, 
I'm very sorry. I doubt that he actually listens to our podcast, but I'm very sorry, Robert John Burke, that I call, I constantly call you fake RoboCop, but that's what you are. You're fake RoboCop <laughs> in RoboCop 3. You're not Dropping the real the RoboCop. You're not you got Robert. burned fake RoboCop. You're awesome. You're Deep awesome cut. Thinner. Who doesn't love Thinner? Everybody loves Thinner. Oh, Everybody that dude. Loves that's right. Okay. I've seen that. Um, yeah, that's a great movie. Uh, he's in it. Uh, Neil McDonough is in it. Who's in a, he's a God. He's in so many, yeah, he's so in many everything. things. Yeah, yeah. He's in so much. Um, oh, who else did I see? And the, uh, the, the pilot Johnny is, uh, well, I don't know if you would know that he's, he's in uh live for your die hard. He was in uh brick, which is a Joseph Gordon Levitt movie. Yeah. I've seen that. Uh, uh, he was brain, uh, in brick. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, that- I didn't recognize him at first, but yeah, it makes sense. He's he's in a lot of movies. He's in a lot of stuff. Uh, so there was a lot of really fantastic actors in it. I'm happy to see a role for Aiden Gillen where I don't hate him uh, because he plays Littlefinger on Game of Thrones. And if you like Littlefinger, you got problems. Um, but I really enjoyed the uh, the kind of dramatic aspect of it. However, the, Johnny's right. They are taking a few liberties. Um, they're not mentioning the fact that... Uh, uh, Project Blue Book was originally Project Grudge, and then it was Project Sign. Uh, and I forget when Blue Book was uh, was shut down. In the sixties, uh, I believe. But and, the... and they and they say there's there was there were more after that that are top secret that we right. don't know the designations for. Yeah, um, I mean this this one basically starts without giving anything away. It basically starts with uh, Project Blue Book. Like it well, just kind of starts right is, from there. If you, if you know enough. You can catch little things like, did you catch the Hangar 18 reference, yes. Johnny? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Nice. Uh, uh, how about the Majestic 12 references? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot okay. of stuff in there. Uh, and I mean, if you it, know it, what it even is, starts. You don't need it. You don't need it to be, to, you know, you don't need this to be told to you. You understand right. what it is. Yeah. I mean, it even starts at Wright Patterson Air, you know, Air Base. I mean, it's the first place it starts at. So, which, as we know, is where they supposedly took wreckage from Roswell. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I, I think Carter and I both approve of it. We like nice. it. I'm gonna have to check it out, dude. I'll, I'll definitely make sure I watch the first few episodes for next episode, so we can kind yeah. of get a little bit more into the discussion of it because that's definitely something. I mean, like you said, you grew up reading this stuff and getting into it, and and Carter, you pulled out the Time Life books. You know what I'm saying? Like I remember right. those things and reading those things, and and Blue Project Blue Book was like the holy grail for UFO like people who were totally into UFOs. You know what I mean? Do you remember being a kid being like. I wish I could read what was in that. I wish I could get my hands on a copy of Project Blue Book. Oh, I wish I still had mine, guys. I really do. I'm sure it's available for download somewhere. You know what I mean? I'm sure it's it's available somewhere on the net. But the idea is, is that I, I get it. And I get the whole love and romanticism and mystique behind it. So I'm going to definitely be checking the show out. We'll be able to discuss this more in the future for sure. Yeah, I really recommend it. I, I'm very curious what the audience thinks. If you're listening to this and you watch that, please let us know what you thought of it. Uh, but again, don't do not go into it thinking that everything is saying on there is the gospel truth of what happened. It's not. Yeah, it's definitely it's not. It's definitely not. It's definitely played up for Hollywood, but it's done very well. Uh, but the main man that this that that show follows is a man named J. Allen Hynek, who was very much a real person. Very much. And uh, we're going to discuss him today. Now. Uh, I was trying to think of one of the reasons why I really found this man fascinating. And I think I can kind of pinpoint it. Some of my favorite characters in media is those ones who uh, kind of start out one way, but they 
but like they kind of surprise you and how their character ends and, and, and turns. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll use Snape from Harry Potter as a great example. You know, the whole time you kind of think, man, this guy's a, just a complete dick, right? Right. He's a, he's a jerk. <laughs> but then at the end, he became my favorite character. Right. The, the, the yeah. redemption story, basically. Yes. Yes, exactly. Spoiler uh, alert if you haven't seen or read the last Harry Potter, but come on, people. <laughs> it's been, what, 10 no, years? I'm, yeah, for crying out loud. I'm sorry if I've hurt your feelings on that. Yeah. It's been a decade. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, so J. Allen Hynek started out as a pretty much a stone-cold skeptic in the UFO world. And, compl- and by the end of it, completely turned around. Yep. So that's one of the reasons why I find this guy very fascinating. I'm going to go through some really quick uh, bio stuff just so we can kind of get to know why did the why did the Air Force choose him for all these uh, uh, UFO studies that they would hold? Because uh, he, he was involved with all of them, Sign, Grudge, and Blue Book. Uh, he didn't do near as much in Grudge, but the other two he definitely was a major part of. Uh, he was born on May 1st of 1910. Uh, he he got a he was a really smart man. He's crazy smart. In 30, 1931, he got his Bachelor of Science at the University of Chicago, Chi-Town. Uh, this is a windy city. It's called that because guess what? It does get really windy there. I was there once. I think it was windy. I think it's pronounced Chicago. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Chicago. There you go. Uh, 1935, he got his PhD in astrophysics. And 1936 is when he decided to specialize in stellar evolution. Do you know what that is, guys? Negative. Uh, the evolution of the cosmos. Basically, you're really close. It's it's the actually I'll even give you a point for that, Chris. It's how a star changes over time, how it evolves, is what he specialized in. Uh, then World War Two happens, and uh, he actually gets involved. He stays a I forgot what they called him because he wasn't officially in the army or in the air force. He was a civilian. But he was helping them still. Uh, he was uh, he helped develop some weapons and such. Uh, uh, yes, uh, he was a scientist at John Hopkins Applied Physics Laboratory, and he did a lot of work for the Navy during World War II. He really helped them out, and they kind of allude to that in the in the show Project Blue Book. Isn't it uh, funny how like a lot of stuff from back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, uh, in regards to scientists and and people who come out and discuss life on uh that that exists outside of this earth how many of them were embroiled in the government yes well i mean back then it was way more about and it probably still is to an extent today it's just harder to do it but back then it was way more about kind of control yeah of uh like control of information yep like the, he who has information holds a lot of power mm-hmm. uh in 1950 after the war he became uh the physics and astronomy professor at Ohio State, which is again referenced on the new show. Um, in the sixties, he becomes the professor and chairman of astronomy at the department at Northwestern University. So this man is a really smart guy. Uh, one of the one of the things, and this is even covered in the show, that he, one of the reasons he agrees to actually come back for Project Blue Book is that they let him keep his main job. He didn't want to have to quit being a professor ah. uh, uh, at at these schools. So let's get into uh, the big things. Carter, I'm going to ask you, Project Sign, what is it? Oh, what is the, uh, do you want me to give the official designation for it or the official description for it? Yeah, if you don't mind. Because I used to know it. Um, Project Sign was a study, uh, loosely defined, a study of 
unidentified aerial phenomena. And I believe sign started signs started right after because when Ro when the Roswell crash happened, we didn't have the Air Force. We had the Army Air Corps. Uh, we didn't actually have the the Air Force hadn't actually been formed yet. It was still what we think of as the Air Force was still part of the Army. But none of those studies were part of the Army Air Corps. So I'm trying to remember. Wasn't signs after um, Sixth Sense? It was, okay. and criminally underrated. No, <laughs> signs. Signs was after Unbreakable. Ah, okay. Signs came after Unbreakable. Better that. It's it's good though. Signs, I loved. Great movie. Oh yeah, me too. Great movie. But yeah, uh, what you're saying is right, Carter. Of course, those in the know know that Project Sign was basically the government's first yep. public uh, study of UFOs. Um, Loosely US... defined public. Yes, yes. And this was the first time Heineck that they bring Heineck on board. Uh, they'd already knew him. They already had a kind of a relationship since he had sort of helped them during World War II. And they knew that he would be a good, quote-unquote, debunker. That's kind of why they why they brought him on. Uh, they wanted him to be one of those who would, could explain sightings away pretty easy to put the, quote-unquote, public at ease of what's going on. And the funny so, part is some of them he he did. He actually yes. did, like there's a lot of cases where he actually figured out what these people were actually seeing and that it wasn't yeah. a UFO, that there was some kind of explainable phenomena. Yeah, one of the you know? one of his most famous ones is when he brought up the whole swamp gas thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was one of, ones, one of the ones who brought that up and he became kind of famous for it. Uh, you know, I think everybody's kind of heard that one. Yeah, you're not seeing aliens, it's swamp gas. It's swamp gas. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, so they bring him on Project Sign in 1948. Uh, he uh, he was a scientific consultant. And at this time, Heineck was a major skeptic of UFOs. He thought that most of the people who were reporting this were unreliable, that you couldn't really believe what they were saying. He didn't necessarily say that they were always lying, but that you couldn't take what they were saying as the gospel truth. Right. Right, because there could be outlying uh, outliers that were affecting their perception, things that were. So he was saying basically, like, they don't think they're lying, but what they're telling you may be flawed. Correct. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Uh, but he was a very scientific person. He would want to look into everything. He wouldn't just want to say, uh, you know, if, if the government, as far as the government was concerned, they just wanted him to say, that was swamp gas. There's no need to explain anything else to you. That's what it was. Uh, but he would want to make sure, and, he, and they kind of do this with his, was kind of his personality. And they do cover this on the show pretty well. He would want to, he'd want to test these theories that he would have. He wanted to make sure that they would work, like that was that that could be possible, right? He didn't want to just say that it was definitely this if he didn't know. Yeah. Uh, in fact, uh, one of my one of his quotes in 1948, J. Allen Hynek says, <clears throat> "Here we go. This is a direct quote for him." The whole subject seems utterly ridiculous when he was asked about UFOs. He didn't believe in them whatsoever. He was totally, he's, he just was like, this was just uh, ridiculous stuff here. Uh, the Air Force expected Heineck to just be a debunker. That's all he wanted him there for. And at the beginning, especially on Project Sign, he did this, and he did it very well, as Carter was kind of alluding to. Uh, he, was, he would very much bring up the swamp gas. There's a bunch of them that he would do this for. Yeah. Uh, uh, sometimes uh, it would be the moon or be another, you know, a planet somebody had actually saw. 
you know, all these kind of things that he would bring up because he was a really smart guy. And remember, uh, he studied stars like he, he studied space. So he had a lot. Of, he had a pedigree behind him when he said things. You were like, well, I, this guy should know what he's talking about. But then his opinion would slowly begin to change. And I think that's why I tend to believe him more than anybody else. He didn't just have like a dramatic shift. Like all of a sudden, he he, he didn't just go from, yep, uh, UFOs are fake. And then the next day, hey, UFOs are real. That's that's not what happened with him. It was a gradual change. Uh, during the 50s, and we're going to jump around here, of course, like Carter alluded to, please remember that he was uh, it was Project Sign first, which went away and changed to Project Grudge, which went away and changed to Project Blue Book. Which so they this, are not covering on that show because they're just giving you one thing so they don't confuse the hell out of you. Correct. Right. Correct. So just 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 note that uh, during the 50s, uh, one of the things that would change Hynek's opinion was he actually would do a poll of his astronomer colleagues. I mean, these are really smart guys. In fact, uh, according to the Wikipedia, which was not my only place of information, just so everybody knows, but uh, they do citations and stuff, which I greatly appreciate now. Uh, one of the one of the people that he polled actually was the guy who discovered Pluto. So these are some smart men, some smart men and, and colleagues and women. And of the 44 he polled, five of them admitted to seeing something they could not identify in the sky. They wouldn't publicly do this uh, because, of course, especially in the 50s, I mean, even now, uh, they would kind of be ridic ridiculed, right? Yep. I mean, it's just what it would be. Like, how you, you know, probably by their own peers, even. Yep. And uh, this is just this is just amazing. This is one of the things that slowly begins to change his mind on this stuff. Like these are some smart. These are his colleagues, and they're like, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, you know, Alan, I, uh, I, I saw something that night. I can't explain it. Man. I study space, and I don't know what this is. And if somebody like that is going to tell you stuff, you know, you're you're going to be like, there's got to be some truth to this. Yeah, there's something behind this. Uh, in fact, in 1953, he would write an article for the, and this was a real uh, publication, <laughs> uh, the article for the Journal of the Optical Society of America. Uh, Chris, have you ever written anything for that? <laughs> uh, I, you know, that's the thing. I I wrote three different articles. All three were turned down. So I I've always said fuck them. I'm never going to say their name anymore. <laughs> I'm not saying their name out uh, loud. I'm not giving them that kind of that kind of press and, fr and and free advertising. No, I don't. I don't blame you. I'm sorry that I brought it up. I should have. It was a sore subject. First. Yeah, we should have talked about this ahead of time. Yeah, I think I'm going to walk yeah. off set. <laughs> um, I I got the quote on my phone, so y'all give me a second. I'm bringing it up. All right, <clears throat> this is this is part of his quote from this uh, article he wrote. Ridicule is not part of the scientific method, and people should not be taught that it is. The steady flow of reports, often made in concert by reliable observers, raises questions of scientific obligation Ooh. and responsibility. Is there any residue that is worthy of scientific attention? Or, if there isn't, does not an obligation exist to say so to the public? Not in the words of open ridicule but seriously to keep faith with the trust the public places in science and scientists 
So in this article, he's stating the reason why they should be open to public about this. And I like and that why... about him. What's that, Chris? I said I like that about him. I like that he was saying, look, you, you can't just take them at their word because they may believe it. But again, it doesn't mean what they perceived was what the reality was. But he's also saying just because what they perceive as their reality being super fantastic doesn't mean you should ridicule them. We should still try to take them seriously and see if we can figure out if what they're saying is real. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Uh, th- this uh, this guy is he kind of thinks uh, in a way that I try to think a lot of times. In other words, I do not want to be close minded to anything. Like if somebody says something that they experienced, I'm, I want to believe them, but I'm not just going to jump out and say uh, that was a UFO or that place was haunted. Right. Yeah. I'm going to say maybe that they believe it is. And there might be some merit to it, but I need to look into this to see for myself, that type of deal. But yeah. he was very but he was very open about this. There shouldn't be any ridicule of this subject. He thought it should be taken very, very seriously. And in fact, there's a couple other things that he was involved with that would come out and say that uh, UFOs were not a big deal, uh, that they were not harmful to people and actually didn't need to be studied, that type of deal. And then he would turn around and say that uh, he wished he wasn't a part of those things. <laughs> yeah so uh he would definitely change his mind and then one of this other quote that i found of his i thought was very very fascinating because it also kind of tells the kind of person he was He was actually asked up up front in 1985 the question he was asked was what changed his opinion and this was his response two things really one was the completely negative and unyielding attitude of the air force they wouldn't give ufos the chance of existing that's a great quote right there mm-hmm. the chance of existing even if they were flying up and down the street in broad daylight everything had to have an explanation i began to resent that even though i basically felt the same way because i still thought they weren't going about it in the right way you can't assume that everything is black no matter what secondly the caliber of the witnesses began to trouble me quite a few instances were reported by military pilots for example and I knew them to be fairly well trained. So this is when I this is when I first began to think that well, maybe there was something to all this. So the so if you think about this, the Air Force shot themselves in the foot with this guy. They bring him in thinking that they can kind of control him and that he's on their side anyway. He thinks like them. He's going to debunk all this stuff, but their arrogance in it all kind of got in their own way. Yeah. And that really irked him to the point where he was like, you know, you can't just say, uh, I may think that um, that noise that Carter heard in his house was just a house settling, though he says it's a ghost. Like, I may think that, but until I go to to Carter's house and see for myself, mm-hmm. I'm just kind of being, egg, uh, you know, arrogant about it. Well, you know? if, if you're out touting it as fact, yes, then that's arrogant. Yes. You know, you exactly. can have an opinion, which is okay. Everyone can have it. Oh, yeah, when you opinions walk, are fine. Yeah. But if I'm saying, but, but if Carter tells me that his house is haunted, and I say, Carter, you're stupid. It's obviously, you know, just your house right. settling. And then you and tell people for down fact. the street, and then the, the butcher, you're like, by the way, do you hear what Carter said? You know, that yeah. that's where yes. it's a little much. Yeah. So, by the way, Carter, I'm sorry I spread that rumor that you're stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, bro. I forgive you. I forgive you. No, that's and that's exactly the point, right? Is that Whenever we talk about these things, we talk about the credibility of the witnesses, but we never think about 
say the credibility of the the person investigating the sighting. Right. And like this is like top A number one guy you want investigating these kind because you want somebody that's going to go in skeptical. Right. Yeah, to, exactly. To an extent. To an extent. Like you want the, you, you know, want them to be skeptical, but yet be open minded enough to know that if they can't explain something, then there are obviously other answers. Right. Exactly. Because yeah. you want to be able to try to attach some kind of scientific, you know, explanation to whatever it is. But just because you can't doesn't mean, Oh, well this, I don't, you know, I don't want to talk about it. This isn't, this isn't for real. No, you can't. That's not even Sherlock Holmes said you can't do that, you know? So, yeah, I mean, even more to kind of show you how great of a great character that Heineck had, uh, the first, the first director of Blue Book was Edward J. Ruppelt. He was an Air Force captain, and he actually thought very highly of Heineck and said Heineck, and the reason that he thought highly of him was Heineck wouldn't give answers before he actually knew them, and he, nor did he go about just you know talking about how great he was, all his accomplishments, and he could have. Right. But he never would do that. So I thought that was very interesting. Like, he had that reputation of, if he didn't know for an answer, he wouldn't just go around giving answers like he didn't know them. And this yeah. was a smart guy. And if he did that, you would probably tend to believe him. Yeah. Uh, and Heineck would actually go on to openly d- begin to disagree a lot with some of the Blue Book stuff, like publicly. He would go on to write many books, of course. Uh, he started the Center for UFO Studies, and uh, we're going to talk about a little, little, some little fun stuff too. Uh, he came up with the scale of the Close Encounters scale. Yes, this is how I. Yes. This is how he came onto my radar. Yep. When I was a kid, so have- yeah. When I was a kid, I loved movies. Absolutely, uh, just loved them, and I always w- thought I wanted to write and direct my own films. Steven Spielberg to me was was one of one of the gods, right? Like this is the guy that you want to try to emulate uh and i loved close encounters of the third kind so when i looked into like the research that went into it the stories that he looked into to create this film and i found out about the the, the scale of the different close encounters this is where the the name heineck came into my radar yeah uh, speaking of close encounters carter do you know what the close encounter scale is um a close encounter of the first kind <laughs> Uh, is a sighting, yep. a simple sighting in the sky. Uh, I can point to that and say that's an unidentified object in the sky. I don't know what that is. Uh, it could be a UFO, but it could not be. Uh, a close encounter of the second kind, um, if I'm not mistaken, is sighting of a craft and a being. Isn't that correct, Johnny? I'm actually looking it up at my notes. I was assuming you would have all this. Um, well, it's, see, I, this... and that's and that's my. This is my thing. I'm supposed to know all this stuff, right? This is the kind of stuff I write about. You're good. So, close um, encounter of the second kind is a UFO event in which a physical effect is alleged. This can inter, uh, be interference in functioning of vehicle or electronic device, animals reacting, physiological effects such as paralysis or heat and discomfort in the witness, and some physical trace like impressions in the ground, scorched or otherwise affected vegetation or chemical trace so do you guys remember when we talked about what was that forest out in england where the the military saw that the rendlesham forest rendlesham and it left those burn marks in in the ground that would be considered a close encounter of the second kind however we talked about we talked about a case like that in texas too remember yes 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 Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So what's a close encounter of the third kind, Chris? Uh, animated creature is present. The including of humanoids, robots, or humans who seem to be occupants or pilots of said UFO. That's what I did. I switched them. Yeah. Uh, I switched them. And close encounter of the fourth kind. Yeah, there was extensions. Uh, which I'm not yeah. sure. If, I'm not sure. Heineck didn't. That was this. This no. one was added later. Right. This. These were extensions. Anything after the third were extensions that were added after the fact. A uh, close encounter of the fourth kind is is an abduction experience. Yep. And I'm not aware of any after that. Oh, yeah. They go all the way up to the seventh. So close encounter of the fifth is an event that involves direct communications between aliens and humans. Uh, this encounter was named by Stephen M. Greer's uh, C. SETI group and is described yeah. as bilateral contact experiences through consciousness, voluntary. So basically it's making contact. Close it's just like when they gave Mac and Mac and me a Coke. <laughs> the close <laughs> encounters of the sixth is the death of a human or animal associated with the sighting. And close encounter of the seventh is a creation of a human alien hybrid, either by sexual reproduction or by artificial scientific methods. Fun. I did not know they had classified. They did now. Those close I encounters. That, you know, the... close encounter. The second kind would, or seventh kind, would be part of the fourth kind. An abduction yeah. experience. Yeah, it could be. So it becomes a fourth, and then just escalates to seventh when the kicks in. That's, That's what those radio signals we're hearing are. <laughs> <laughs> they get us all warmed up. It's just porn music. Yeah. yeah. Just alien porn music. Like 70s alien porn music. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. And it's taken over decades to get here. Would that sound like would that sound like the Cantina band, you think? Probably. Monsize I hope so. the Cantina band. Yeah. I mean I'm okay. I get down with that. You know, yeah. whatever. <laughs> that's the only that's the only music I make love to. It's <laughs> <laughs> played on the loop. Oh, no, I only need like a minute anyway. Uh he uh he um on the course of counter scale. Because he comes up with that. But the reason that that becomes even more famous is there's a little film that comes out that's called yep. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Yes. By a certain Steven Spielberg. Yes, sir. I love this movie. Same. I'm assuming you guys do, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, one of my favorite memories of this is one of my best friends growing up. I had seen this movie, and I, I was like, can he spent the night one night? And I was like, you have to see this movie. <laughs> this movie is so good. Uh, so uh, we watched it. And it terrified him <laughs> when, the alien, when the aliens actually show up. Spoiler alert. I'm sorry. Uh, he was petrified of those things <laughs> and didn't forgive me for years for it. That is that the most the first amazing. Time I saw fire in the sky. Oh, so. yeah. That was that was a, when I saw it the first time. Yeah, it's terrifying back then. Yeah. Uh, but here's another little fun fact. Not only was Heineck a consultant on this movie. Yep. He also appears briefly in it. Oh, uh, there's a scene, if you watch it, there's a guy, when they're actually making contact with the aliens, who happens to be wearing some glasses and has a pipe. And Ooh. guess who that is? Nice. Sweet, I didn't know that. Yes, he makes a brief cameo in it. Uh, and here's another fun fact about Heine. Actually, he would, just to kind of cap his story off a little bit, he would uh, he would go on to be a uh, pioneer, sort of, for uh, the, the ser- of people taking a more serious look at UFOs. And to not ridicule people. So it became quite important. He would show up on many TV shows, do a lot of interviews, write many books and articles and stuff. Uh, he would pass away later on from cancer. But here's a fun fact about Heineck's life. He would go on to have a son named Joel. And Joel, or Joel, 
would go on to oversee the design of the camo effect for the movie Predator. <laughs> and even won a Best Visual Effects Oscar for the movie What Dreams May Come. Oh, that's a sad movie, man. Oh, it is yeah. a sad movie. But I thought you guys would enjoy the Predator thing. It, oh, that's, yeah. Yeah, that's Obviously. pretty awesome. That's amazing. Yeah, Predator. How fun, How crazy is it, right? Like his dad was totally uh, went 180 on the belief in extraterrestrials and UFOs. And then he ends up working on uh, a film in which an alien plays a big part. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and goes on to become a classic. Yes. Uh, film. Yes. Yes, sir. Yes, dude, this I would dude... argue both Close Encounters and Predator are, are classic movies in pop culture. Agreed. Dude, this dude, Heineck, man, it's it's like, like I said before, it feels like all these guys that worked for the government back in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, like they could tell, like, these are the kinds of stories I want to hear. You know what I mean? Like, what were you working on? What were you doing? So much of it has just this kind of like this mystique and this like intrigue behind it. You know what I mean? Yeah, and if you're a big X-Files fan, you can see a lot of the inspirations they got from Heineck and Project Blue Book. Yeah. Uh, you know, he started out a skeptic, you know, uh, cough, cough, scully, and slowly started to see, like, there's something else here. This is on you Netflix? Know. The show? Uh, the show? I yeah, watched it on, on Amazon Prime. Oh, Amazon Prime. I watched That's it on demand. I, my demand. My on demand actually had it, so I was able oh, to watch sweet. it. Oh, sweet. I might be able to watch it on demand, too, then. So, oh, yeah. okay. So that's right. It's History Channel. What's the name of the show again? Is it Blue Book? What's it called? Project Blue Book. Sweet. I'm gonna definitely check out the first episode, or even how many? How how deep are you guys? It just it's started. Just episode, it literally yeah. just started. There's only one episode out as of this recording. Oh, I see. Okay, so it's it's not like it just dumped the whole season like uh like Netflix. Right. Uh, like yeah, not like Netflix. All right. No, Man, I'm so used to like, that. You see how like showing it on television. So you see how that's my instinct. I'm we're so <laughs> used to that now. Yeah, yeah. We're, exactly. How yes. far have you guys watched? Well, the only one that they let us watch. How's that, Chris? Yeah. <laughs> could you imagine? Could you imagine? Just like decades ago, where we didn't even have the ability to do this. No, it would blow us. You know what? If you went back to twelve-year-old uh, Johnny and told him that Netflix would exist and you could watch seasons just drop like that, you'd be like, "Huh." It would feel like something I made up to impress my friends. <laughs> right? <laughs> or science fiction. Yeah. It's like, hey, I can watch the Ninja Turtles anytime I want. They're like, you, you, you rent these movies over the internet. Internet? What is that? <laughs> yeah. I still remember when we got internet. That's how old I am. <laughs> Dude, I would just had that conversation today about how we used to get AOL discs in the mail with free yes. minutes. And then when you yeah. used them up, you would like ask your friends and family members if they got that shit in the mail free and you needed those discs for free minutes. I had it again on my AOL instant messenger, man. Oh, yeah. Right. You know about it. Uh, dude, Heineck's great. Is there anything else you wanted to say on him? Uh, I'm all Heineck out. What about you, Carter? Um, I would, I would like to point out that, uh, uh, in the show, there's a scene where Heineck, uh, the character says that what he really wants is recognition in his, in his lifetime, uh, to be the guy that, you know, was the first guy to scientifically study the UFO phenomena. Uh, after project blue book, and he started to go public with a lot of this stuff, he was ridiculed by the academic community because nobody took this stuff seriously. And so to a lot of people, he was, he was a big joke. And now 
you know, sadly not in his lifetime. Now we're starting to kind of figure out that, hey, maybe he was right. Yeah. But at least we are, right? Like, we're not in the in the uh, quote-unquote dark ages of information, at least in this respect. It seems that uh, we talked about it at uh, last year. It was a headline, and we talked about it at the year-end wrap-up. Um, I mean, so far as the Pentagon releasing video uh, of, you know, pilots chasing down UFOs. Yeah. So Yeah. In fact, I'm glad you said that. This actually opens with... Uh, a very famous sighting in which Ooh. I think it's in Fargo, I believe it is, in which, in which uh, an air force pilot uh, is uh, kind of engaging with a UFO, even, even shooting at it. Oh dude. I can't wait to watch this now. See, I'm, I have to watch yeah. this now. Awesome. Yeah. There that part you. was pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to lie. You'll watch that and you'll be like, yeah, they put some money in this thing. <laughs> yeah. Sweet. Oh yeah. Cause uh, it's done very well. Very nice. Uh, yeah, my Heineck's starting to act up, so I'm about to uh, head you out need of the a clubhouse. Maneuver. What do you guys? You guys have anything <laughs> else you want to update the creepers on before we head out? I love them very much. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so that's another episode of history creeps, guys. I tell you what. I uh, oh, you know what? I want to let patrons know. Um, I think we talked about it before and we talked about how we were turning Patreon off for a while, but with all the holidays and stuff, I hadn't gotten around to it. So December and January came around and our patrons got charged and they didn't get any, any content. So I will be refunding that. So I just want to put that out there. If you guys got charged and you noticed that on your account, don't worry, you'll be refunded December and January's payments. Uh, we do appreciate you guys following us, but, uh, you know, stay tuned. We, we will be bringing Patreon back with a whole ton of new content. And uh, some of the stuff that we had had coming your way is still coming. So keep your eyes out for that as well. Uh, other than that, for Carter Johnson, for Johnny Townsend, this is Chris Chavez. Thank you so much for listening to History Creeps. We appreciate you guys. Make sure to hit the lights, lock the door on the way out. And as always, stay creepy. Stay creepy.